You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. SWIFT warns member banks of ongoing attempts at fraudulent funds transfer. U.S. investigation of Russian influence operations continues with bipartisan support. German fears of Russian election hacking persist. Apple iOS, McAfee virus scan enterprise, and AirDroid get patches. Tor releases a browser with upgraded anonymity. And some guy steals a million so he can spend it on in-game purchases. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Tuesday, December 13th, 2016. SWIFT, the International Funds Transfer Organization, has warned its member banks that attacks on the networks have continued since the Bangladesh Bank suffered a significant loss of funds almost a year ago. The threat is very persistent, adaptive, and sophisticated, said a letter from SWIFT obtained by Reuters, and it's here to stay. SWIFT is characterized as reluctant to say how many banks have been affected or how much money has been lost, but one of the system's security leaders acknowledged that there had been a meaningful number of cases. Some of the local banks were compromised through technical support systems, which represents a new wrinkle in the attack technique. As bipartisan investigation of Russian influence operations continue in the U.S., President-elect Trump's skepticism over attribution prompts fruitful discussion of the topic— The president-elect is skeptical about attribution generally, wondering how you'd know who was in your network unless you caught them in the act. There are, of course, many forensic techniques that can help reveal who was responsible for a cyber event. The U.S. intelligence community says it has high confidence in its attribution of influence operations to Russia. CrowdStrike goes farther, placing their confidence at 100%. The Democratic National Committee brought in CrowdStrike to investigate a suspected compromise of its networks back in May, and CrowdStrike is quite sure it caught both Fancy Bear and Cozy Bear, respectively the Russian intelligence services GRU and FSB, Red Pod, in the systems. It's worth noting two things. First, while attribution is indeed tricky and often uncertain, There's a general consensus that, in fact, Fancy Bear in particular doxed the DNC and leaked discreditable emails through, probably, Guccifer 2.0, DC leaks, and WikiLeaks. Second, the Russian activity has generally been characterized as an information operation, that is, an attempt to influence voter perceptions and choices during the election, and not an attempt to directly manipulate the vote tallies. 
The evidence that the Russians favored candidate Trump over candidate Clinton largely comes down to the relative paucity of evidence that the Republican networks were similarly compromised. There were some early releases of Republican emails, mostly anodyne and routine communications among party members, organizers, and donors, but these slowed to essentially nothing after the parties had concluded their nominating process. Since there's no reason to suppose that Republican security was markedly superior to Democratic security, and since it's unlikely that any political organization could long withstand the attentions of a leading nation-state's intelligence services, the conclusion most drawn is that the Russian government favored Trump. In any case, there appears to be a solid bipartisan determination in Congress to get to the bottom of things, and the president has also directed that an investigation be done. Few think Russian interest in information operations ended with the U.S. elections. German authorities continue to express concerns that their elections have become the next target of Russian operations. Other observers see former Soviet republics and Warsaw Pact countries as likeliest to receive the ministrations of Russian intelligence services. Returning with some relief to more ordinary forms of cybercrime, we note that a new cryptocurrency, Zcash, has already drawn the attention of crooks. Kaspersky reports the criminals are installing mining software on victim machines to accumulate a stake in Zcash. Older cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin are, for various reasons, less susceptible to this form of manipulation. As we head toward the end of the year and into the next, there's an important sunset on the horizon. The SHA-1 digital certificate standard is being phased out and replaced with SHA-2. We checked in with Venify's Kevin Bocek for the lowdown on the transition. Hashing algorithms um, are only as good as they can create a unique uh, output uh, and unique output that is not vulnerable to what's called collision. Uh, collision is when we can create another hash. Uh, and generally, again, a hash algorithm is a fingerprint. You put in uh, one number and you'll get out a completely unique number on the other end. Uh, and these collisions then, when you have um, the ability to create essentially a forgery, something that is unique or a duplicate, I should say, of something that's supposed to be unique is a big, big problem. So uh, the great thing is that uh, both the browser, the operating system, and the certificate authority world uh, have realized this. And finally, uh, we're going to be saying goodbye uh, or at least not trusting uh, SHA-1 uh, fingerprinted certificates anymore in the browsers and operating systems that we all use on our desktop, laptops, and mobile devices. So sunsetting will happen uh, officially in February 2017 when our browsers, whether that be Microsoft Edge, Microsoft Internet Explorer, Apple Safari, Google Chrome, finally will display the insecure, not trusted uh, your connection is not private warning uh, in all the browsers. And so what's involved in making the switch? How hard is it to upgrade from SHA-1 to SHA-2? Well, you've got to know what you're using. So you've got to know all the digital certificates that you are, in fact, using, uh, which requires getting intelligence you know, uh, about what's deployed publicly, what might be inside your network, what might be deployed now out in cloud services or hosted by third parties. Uh, you then have to triage. You have to triage. All right, we're going to fix and replace uh, these keys and certificates, get new 
SHA-2 certificates uh, that have been issued for a few years by certificate authorities now. And as you're going through this whole process, validate that it's actually occurring to your policy and validate that you've actually successfully replaced uh, your old SHA-1 certificates or, gosh, God forbid, you've got MD-5 certificates, which we still see, uh, replaced now uh, with um, secure SHA-2 certificates. Uh, that entire process doesn't happen by accident. That entire process uh, certainly, you know, to a lot of, of security teams, network teams working in businesses or governments is difficult. Uh, and that's why they're increasingly looking to automation to systems to help them find out what they've got and walk them through that process and validate it. That's Kevin Bocek from Venify. Several patches and upgrades are out this week. An alpha version of a sandbox Tor browser was released over the weekend, promising more reliable anonymity. Apple has addressed 12 vulnerabilities in iOS 10.2. AirDroid has also received security updates that close off the possibility of recently discovered exploits. And, pushed by a vulnerability researcher, McAfee has shuttered 10 holes in its virus-scanned enterprise security product. And finally, in crime and punishment, the Bulgarian avalanche hacker Krasimir Nikolov has been extracted to the U.S., where he will stand trial thanks to the alert work of the alert G-men of the FBI's Pittsburgh squad. Avalanche was elusive, and so was our final criminal of the day. But it's difficult to see how this second gentleman escaped arrest as long as he did. Consider, if you will, the case of one Mr. Kevin Lee Coe, late of Sacramento, California. Mr. Coe is reported to have copped to a plea of embezzling some $4.8 million from his employer between 2008 and 2015. A thought experiment, if you will. If you were he, pause and imagine how you might spend your take. Snazzy cars? Check. Plastic surgery? Depends, but okay. Check. Season tickets for the 49ers and the Sacramento Kings? Check and double check. But that's only $3.8 million or so. Here's where you may part imaginative company with Mr. Coe. He spent $1 million on in-game purchases for Game of War. We hope the digital armor and virtual siege engines were worth it. Mr. Coe is expected to become a resident of Club Fed sometime in the spring. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire.
The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Joining me once again is Ben Yellen. He's a senior law and policy analyst at the University of Maryland Center for Health and Homeland Security. Uh, Ben, welcome back. Uh, Interesting article in Ars Technica. Uh, An appeals court has uh, ruled that it does not matter how a wanted man is found, even if it is via a stingray. There's some interesting stuff going on here. Uh, Fill us in. Sure. So this case is called United States v. Patrick, and it took place in the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals. And uh, the majority held in that case, and it was a three-judge panel, that because there was an outstanding arrest warrant for the defendant in this case, uh, the defendant had forfeited his reasonable expectation of privacy, and therefore a warrant was not required to use a stingray device to identify his location. Uh, Basically, the judge said, once you have an outstanding arrest warrant, you have forfeited that reasonable expectation of privacy, therefore... It doesn't really matter what method law enforcement uses uh, to find you. It can be a police informant. It can be a location identifying device like a stingray. This is somewhat of a workaround of the really serious issues that are invoked with stingrays about whether, in general, there needs to be some framework within law enforcement as to whether warrants are required and what that process should be. Yeah, I, I thought it was notable that there was a lengthy dis- dissent. Uh, the circuit chief judge, Diane Wood, uh, concluded, she said, it's time for the stingray to come out of the shadows so that its use can be sub- subject to the same kind of scrutiny as other mechanisms. And she listed you know, things like thermal imaging devices, GPS trackers, and and so forth. You know, it just it strikes me that um, these stingray devices really seem to be a, a catalyst for a lot of these, uh, a lot of interesting tests and, and uh, conversations about our fundamental right to privacy. Absolutely. And, and this dissent carries a lot of weight. Diane Wood is a very prominent circuit court judge. She was considered for a Supreme Court appointment uh, by President Obama in both 2009 and 2010. Uh, and I think she brings up a very good point. Because of the secrecy surrounding this device and because of the haphazard way it's been implemented across different jurisdictions, both at the state and local level, the judicial branch knows very little about it. And I think that gets to the broader point that she brings up, that it's time for the judicial branch to come up with some sort of framework to evaluate this device. They've done so with all uh, different types of devices. There have been cases on thermal imaging, on GPS trackers, on pen registers. The judicial branch is slow, but but they do have an obligation to keep up with the technology, especially because this is such a, a novel issue. All right. We'll keep an eye on it. Ben Yellen, thanks for joining us. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. 
And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the CyberWire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. 